Hello there, everyone. Welcome back to Duel of the Takes. Today, we are ranking the filmography of, I would say, a less successful director, uh, especially in comparison to our last director ranking, uh, James Cameron. The next Spielberg. <laughs> we, are, we are talking about the next Spielberg himself, M. Night Shyamalan. Woo! I feel like he has the filmography that's perfect for a format like this. I mean, he's made some really 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 good movies and he's also made some of maybe the worst like mainstream movies of the last 15 years or so <laughs> so it's it's a very polarizing filmography and i think just about everyone probably has a few movies that they like a few movies that they don't like and then ones that they might love and ones that they might hate so this uh, it should be interesting. What I like about M. Night Shyamalan, though, still to this day, when he does come out with a movie, it still feels like an event. And we don't get that with a lot of directors anymore. Yeah, 100%. I feel like it, it's more commonly known to people that M. Night Shyamalan has a movie in theaters than like when Ridley Scott has a movie in theaters, which is just wild to me. <laughs> Shout out to Movies and Milk, because I replied to his Instagram story about Stuart Little 2. And how much I hate the movie and the character. Uh, apparently, M. Night was a screenwriter for the first Stuart Little. Yes, he was. I hate Stuart Little so much. Yeah, M. Night was a bit of a writer before he was a writer-director, Artur. Um, there are 13 movies we are talking about today, including the one uh, PG-rated family comedy that he made that came out before um, The Sixth Sense, which was really his big break into being an auteur, which is Wide Awake. We are doing all of his written and directed films. We might as well hop right into it. All three of us have a veto that we are allowed to use until... Ooh, do I want to be, like, gruesome and make it top five or choose the top three? We could use our vetoes till top three, I think. Or we could split the difference and do top four. Sure. Yeah, we're gonna, <laughs> we, all, we all have a veto that we can use until... <laughs> That's the twist of the episode. <laughs> The twist is the veto cutoff is an odd number for the first time in Duel of the Takes history. We're only for M. Night. All right, I need to, like, hold on. Nate, you sound bad. I sound bad. You sound like you're using built-in microphone. So, uh, without further ado, Josh, what is the worst M. Night Shyamalan movie? I have The Last Airbender as my worst M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, why is that? I think it's one of the worst... Uh... <laughs> 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 one of the worst adaptations to film I think I've ever seen. I didn't even finish this movie. Uh, usually, I try to watch a whole movie to give it a chance. I turned this movie off halfway through. I think I got to the part with, like, the Earthbenders, and I, I had enough. I had to turn it off. Um, this movie's horrible. It's horribly acted. It's the one time Shyamalan tried to create a franchise, and he failed miserably and didn't technically didn't try again. Uh, one of his other worst movies, I guess he tried, but this one was like, hey, wait, we got a big studio doing this, it's off of a property that a lot of people love, this could be like a big, like, trilogy, or even more movies than a trilogy, uh, let's get a really well-known director, and Shyamalan just wasn't the guy to do it, it seems. It was a complete and utter failure. Yeah, 
This movie's really bad. However, I do think it's slightly more entertaining than one of his other movies. Maybe. I do think there's more entertainment value to get out of Airbender than, say, After Earth. But I also have Last Airbender here at number 13. I think, you know, because it is based off of a source material that people care about so much, Shyamalan's weak writing really hurts this movie. Like, he changes things that don't need to be changed. Um... Characters don't even act like themselves from the source material. I wouldn't even be surprised if he didn't even watch a single episode of The Last Airbender. There's no way he did. He didn't even have the main character's name pronounced right. Yeah, none of the characters' names were pronounced right. That was awful. I remember the marketing for this movie, too, because, like, I didn't watch Avatar The Last Airbender, the show, and I did, like was curious about this movie i think it was probably before i knew like who Shyamalan was and his like legacy but i remember seeing him doing like interviews on like the making of the movie and they were playing as like trailer bumps on tv i think it was on nickelodeon he was like yeah no we've got a lot of mysterious changes made to the story and i think people are going to be real fascinated and then there was something about like he like followed like his kids advice on how the story goes or whatever bruh i don't know bro like you can't really throw your kids under the bus for not doing your homework damn do i think Shyamalan could have potentially actually made a good last airbender movie honestly he's not the worst director to choose i think if he was familiar with the source material it probably wouldn't have been that bad. I don't know. He's just never... Both times he has tried to, like, franchise something, it's failed miserably. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I also feel like this is better than, like, trying to give him a unique science fiction trilogy or something. Imagine the parallel universe where George Lucas didn't want to... Well, he didn't want to direct all three prequels, but in the world where he doesn't direct all three prequels, and after the success of uh sixth sense signs and unbreakable he's like hey guess what Shyamalan, you're directing attack of the clones honestly i think there's a lot of comparisons between Shyamalan and george lucas on how they direct (laughs) (laughs) dude imagine if attack of the clones was just as like confusing within the trilogy as like the last jedi (laughs) that would have been nuts uh alden i think you're the biggest last airbender fan out of all of us so what are your thoughts on this film i've tried to see this movie like ignoring the source material and it's still just bad it doesn't flow pacing is horrendous character chemistry is some of the worst i've ever seen in a movie like it's porn parody level bad yikes these are children alden <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> this movie is just horribly cast horribly acted i mean what does suck about trying to do an adaptation of just about any like anime but I guess any cartoon in general for that matter, um, is trying to do a live action version of a movie that involves all these like kids. Cause like Aang's only like 11, right? <laughs> like the dude's just grown up Caillou. Like that's a hard main character to sell audiences on. But you look at like Shyamalan's like track record of working with kids. I mean, he gets pretty good performances out of, uh, like Haley Joe Osment and, uh, uh, in the sixth sense he gets pretty good performances out of both the kids and signs in my opinion like he's not the worst choice to try to do something like that it's just didn't care about the source material at all he didn't care about any of it 
and somehow it's still one of his higher grossing movies. Honestly, pretty based. I think uh, The Last Airbender is grossly overrated. I'm excited to see Netflix fuck this up. Yeah. There was hope for like two minutes. There was hope for like two years. They've been talking about this project for literally six years. Yeah. Anyway. Avatar, The Last Airbender, number 13. There it is. Um, Josh, you want to go with your number 12? Didn't I just go? Oh, wait. Sorry. Yeah. Alden, what is your number 12? I just I just go again. <laughs> Josh just determines the bottom 10. I know I saw After Earth. Oh, After Birth? Yeah, fuck this movie. I don't... This was, I guess, a decent concept, but none of it was good. I have two movies below it, but I don't give a shit this movie sucks damn i'm curious to see what those other two movies are but uh yeah i genuinely think that after earth might be m night Shyamalan's worst movie um it's very 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 close between this and last airbender but i will say the ensemble cast of like the last airbender while definitely confused and no one knows what's going on they don't know how to pronounce each other's names right they're doing these weird yoga moves instead of bending whatever element they're supposed to bend all every actor in the last airbender is more competent than jaden smith in this movie it is genuinely one of the worst performances i have ever seen in a mainstream movie um by quite a bit wasn't after earth also supposed to be like a trilogy yeah it was it was supposed to be the start of a franchise i think that will smith is also this is like one of his worst movies um he's usually pretty all right in just about anything but when his whole character's supposed to be like a ripoff of arlie ermy's character from uh full metal jacket <laughs> it's just like dude come on you're will smith like be charismatic we'll try to win the audience over and like i get if they're like oh we want to do a movie where he's not like that well then make it a better script yeah <laughs> the, the actions of this movie are him being like paralyzed from the shipwreck and then having to like bark orders at his son it's literally just him explaining the plot of, like, what needs to happen next. I, I don't know. Why not just make him the Mr. Miyagi and the Karate Kid, if you really like? Like, I don't know. This is horrible. This is worse than the Karate Kid by a lot. Yeah. This movie's so bad that Jane Smith had to start becoming a rapper before an actor, just like his father. It, uh, yeah. This movie's just really bad. Even, like, the visuals of, like, the... I guess, the world they were trying to set up. None of it looks interesting. It's just ugly CGI. It makes the aliens and signs look like masterpieces. The marketing for this was kind of like trying to write off of, like, Hunger Games, which was really weird, where it's like, oh, we have a teenage character surviving in the woods, like, by themselves or whatever. And then it was like, yo, here's, like, the monsters he has to fight. Like, Earth has evolved beyond the point where it was when humans left it. So it's like... Wally meets the Hunger Games meets like John Carter. It's just like all over the place with not a good story. Like I I don't know why people saw this in theaters. Like this movie didn't do terrible. It did critically, but it uh what was the budget for it? Didn't have a really high budget for no reason. Uh yeah, cuz you got to pay Will Smith and his son. It's may or may not have been made for like tax purposes. <laughs> I had a budget of 130 million and made like 250. Jeez. I mean, I guess it made a profit, but not enough. Uh, I mean, yeah. All right. I think I'm up next with probably the first true hot take. Uh, maybe. Okay. I have old here at number 11. <laughs> old was my number 11. <laughs> I uh I just saw old on Monday night 
I was supposed to see the world premiere last Monday night, but I went to Scranton, Pennsylvania instead. (laughs) Honestly, kind of glad I didn't go because it would have been really rude of me to be like actively like fuming while M. Night Shyamalan is only sitting three rows in front of me. So honestly, kind of glad I wasn't there. I didn't think old was like terrible. I, I think it was very just bland. It was very forgettable, which I can't say about any of these other movies. Like, I don't love The Visit, but there's scenes in that movie that are going to stick with me through the end of my life. I think Signs is a pretty flawed movie, but there's there's incredible scenes within that movie. I don't know what the best scene in old is, and I just watched it a week ago. Nothing in that movie is sticking with me, like, at all. I think the trailer and the marketing was interesting. They had a decent cast, but when you have a really weak script that all relies on like one twist and one premise, it's the same problem that we had with his movies a decade ago or 15 years ago now with like projects like The Village and Lady in the Water where they only exist for this like third act reveal. It really hurts this movie more so than others because everything leading up to it doesn't even really feel like a Shyamalan movie. It feels like I'm watching a really bad pilot for a really bad TV show. Yeah, I guess, like, spoilers ahead for every twist in this movie, but the the twist in this felt very similar to the twist in Glass, where it's just like, I'm so done with the movie, by the time we get to the twist, I'm like, I don't care anymore. Like, I'm just done. <laughs> like, like I, I was like, and like, at first I'm like, is the coral the twist? That can't be the twist. And then it's a giant corporation uh, that was watching it all, just like how Glass was. And it's like, holy shit, he did it two in a row, where it's just, you don't care. Yeah, and I didn't think the body horror was particularly good either. Like, the stuff where they're, like, either aging and, like, the bodies are falling apart. And, like, there's, like, uh, I, there's a little bit of gore. It's not bad. It's PG-13. It just didn't feel like that was enough of a shock to keep me invested in these this story and it's also really hard to care about characters who start off the movie as six-year-olds <laughs> other movies that involve a bunch of kids stranded on an island you've got like lord of the flies like you've got great stories that could come from this like concept bunch of people on an island and learning how to adapt and overcome the the, the trials and tribulations of being there there's none of that in this movie it's literally just people walking on a beach for two hours and the cast is like fine there's actors in this ensemble cast that i've liked in past movies i mean i feel like the biggest problem with the cast is like the only person i recognize is alex fucking wolf you don't recognize mary cheney oh true she's there um the guy who played the doctor he's good in like every movie he's in but i don't remember his name oh yeah yeah we're gonna talk about the happening later and a lot of people probably think the happening should be in this spot but the happening is so entertaining from an ironic level and i don't get any of that entertainment in this movie yeah no there was not really anything to keep me invested in this plot at all normally even in a bad movie like the happening for example which is one of the worst written movies and one of the worst acted movies i think to have the wide release that it does (laughs) at least you get to see like zoe deschanel and mark Wahlberg give the worst performances of their career and that's like really fun it feels like a made for tv movie And that's, like, disappointing because although I don't think 
glass is all that good. I do think that M. Night Shyamalan has had a bit of a resurgence recently. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't think he's incapable of making really, really good movies, even at this point in his career, after making pretty much shit movies for, like, 15 years. Like, I, I genuinely had a little bit of hope for this movie. The trailer sold me. I didn't think it was amazing. I I was going in more skeptical than, like, excited, but... I thought it was going to be, like, The Visit. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking we would get something like that, that tier as well. And it didn't even meet my expectations there. It's... It was disappointing. Is M. Night Shyamalan just afraid of old people, though? <laughs> this is now two movies in a row where we're kind of afraid of old people. <gasps> Maybe. Um, he's afraid of old people and aliens, apparently. He's just afraid. Number 11, old. Back to you, Josh, with number 10. Uh, we just, uh, spoke about it. Glass is my next. Wow, do we have the same fucking list? <laughs> we're gonna talk about those two movies later, but Unbreakable and Split, I think, are two of M. Night's, they're, they're, uh, top-tier movies when you're talking about his filmography as a whole, and... Glass could have completed this really good trilogy. I would have been like, hey, M. Night did it. He finally kind of like franchised or created a series of movies that were all solid. And then all he had to do was make a decent movie in Glass to just finish off this unexpected trilogy. And he didn't do that. It was one of the most disappointing movies that I've seen in a movie theater in a long time. I was very excited for this movie. Despite it coming out in, like, January, I still had really good... I still had high hopes for this, that it could still be really good. And I was like, ah, maybe the studio just didn't know where to put it in the year. I mean, this was... I think it was 2019, 2019. I mean, you had Avengers Endgame and stuff coming out. It was a stacked year. So maybe they just put it in January. It would be the highest grossing movie of that month. But it was so bad. It starts out fine. But that ending to the movie leaves such a bad taste in your mouth. That's all you're thinking about when you're leaving the theater. And the more you think about that ending, the more pissed off you get. I just don't know why this was like the third step for this movie. I get Bruce Willis probably was like, people cared enough about Unbreakable for us to make a sequel 20 years later. And he's clearly not the actor he was back in like the late 90s and just about every way he was throwing in performances back then too but he's definitely like he definitely hasn't cared about a movie since maybe like moonrise kingdom at this point you know we have bruce willis reprising his role from a movie he probably didn't think people like <laughs> and then you have samuel jackson just playing samuel jackson he doesn't even feel like the character glass that we get from unbreakable and then James McAvoy acting circles around everybody, including Sarah Paulson and Anya Taylor-Joy, who also, Anya Taylor-Joy didn't need to be in this movie. I was about to say, why was she in this movie? <laughs> There's literally zero reason for her to be there. I don't think the twist at the end, like, helps this movie at all. No. The twist of Split was so cool that, oh, the, the twist was literally, this is connected to Unbreakable. We're getting a sequel. Like, that was... A, that was a cool thing to do just give us a, a, a sequel to two different movies that don't seem related and what we got was like a half sequel to a movie that no one cares about anymore and then a half sequel to a movie that was successful like two years ago and it totally just is a is a mess i think it it's probably one of the most confusing movies in terms of like tone that m night Shyamalan's ever made because like after earth you get he's trying to make 
like a science fiction action thriller. It doesn't necessarily deliver, but that's what we get. Avatar The Last Airbender, you get he's trying to do like a kid's fantasy movie. It's definitely nothing like the source material, but you understand where he's going. And then old, it's like, okay, he's trying to do something like Lost, but with like this aging mechanic and it's, you know, kind of like a time travel, like it feels like a Twilight Zone episode. Okay, that's pretty totally easy. But then Glass is just like, we're trying to do a superhero movie. We're trying to do a horror movie. We're trying to do a thriller. We're also trying to do like a like a One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest type thing. It's also like a teen coming of age movie. It's like, what are we doing here? There's five plot points. There's five different themes and genres. None of them work. And the acting is so bad. And they took all of the fantastic themes from the the film Unbreakable and just kind of forget about it. <laughs> or they over-explain it. Like, it's like, oh, you were clearly my arch rival. It's like, yeah, we got that in the last 20 minutes of the, of the first movie. We don't need to... That was the whole theming of the first movie. That scene where uh, Bruce Willis goes back to his kid's house and it's clearly not the same kid. And also he's like 15 years younger than he should be. It's so weird. <laughs> like how long was he sitting on this script because that would have been like if they made a sequel to unbreakable in like 2005 <laughs> <laughs> he definitely was sitting on this script since 2005 and then he just added the split guy in it you think so i don't think that twist was always in it though because that twist felt like a i don't know like a a giant like corporation or whatever taking over it sounds very like captain america winter soldiery so i think he saw that movie and maybe that's what he tried to do was a darker version of that. I don't know what he was going for with that twist. Honestly, it feels very X-Men-y, like the twist. I was about to say that. It's kind of weird when you like put two and two together how similar Glass and the New Mutants are. <laughs> <laughs> They're about a group of, you know, superheroes locked in an insane asylum. <laughs> it's like New Mutants was the other sequel to <laughs> to this trilogy. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, New Mutants is better than Glass. I agree. It's even on an ironic level. Yeah. This this movie really hurt. This is like the one time I was like actually disappointed by an M. Night Shyamalan movie. I think people a little bit older than us probably had that same level of disappointment with like The Village or Lady in the Water. But as someone who didn't like was like anticipating the next Spielberg's <laughs> fourth movie, uh, <laughs> I, I just... I was really excited for this movie based off of the the end credit scene or like the last scene of Split. Didn't look up anything. I didn't we talked about the trailer a couple weeks ago. I don't remember watching the trailer for Glass. Um I just was like, "Oh, I'm going to go see that." And I did and was just so disappointed. It felt like we all see it together. I wasn't with you guys. Okay. Yeah, cuz we saw it in an RPX theater where the seats shake <laughs> yeah yeah i think it was you two and jory yep because i think jory has the hot take that that was his worst movie going experience ever <laughs> oh so it's okay as long as it's not into the spider-verse we're good did you guys see R uh, into the spider-verse and rpx as well no but we saw it with jory and he was mad for some reason jory had a really bad uh, experience with it I forget what was even happening. Nothing. He was sitting next to a family for 15 minutes before the movie started, and he got mad that they were talking about what food to get. It sounds better than Captain Marvel. <laughs> I think he had a better time in Captain Marvel than Into the Spider-Verse. We all did, except for you, Alden. Alden had a great time. Ethan was, yeah, Ethan was the one upset. Um, Alden, it's to you with number nine. What do you think the uh, the ninth uh, M. Night Shyamalan movie is? The last of our bottom five. Don't do it. Don't do it? What do you not want me to do? 
I don't know. I'm afraid. It's fine. We have vetoes. I guess, yeah. I'm not worried about this. I'm putting the happening down. Yeah, I'm going to veto that just because I know what needs to go here. Are you going to put Lady in the Water? No. Fuck no. <laughs> I love Lady in the Water. Uh, Wide Awake is going right here. Okay. <laughs> We're going to take your word for it. Yeah. Wide Awake is just... It, like, it's not a bad movie. It's definitely not a good movie, but it's like a family comedy about this boy whose grandfather dies, and he makes it his life goal to meet God and yell at him for killing his grandfather. <laughs> what? Like, it's just a little weird. Rosie O'Donnell plays, like, a baseball-obsessed nun as, like, the major supporting character of the movie. It just feels like one of those really, like, schmaltzy, like, family 90s comedies. It's not really worth anyone's time to go back and watch, but it was one of... It was the only movie on this list I hadn't seen besides old, and I was like, you know what? I should give this a watch. Um, it, the good thing I can say is it's short. It's like 90 minutes. It's not, it's overly religious, which is kind of like strange because it was like a major studio movie, but it was definitely like, it's not a movie you would see today. It, it has like the same production quality of like a Disney channel original movie. Yeah. Rosie O'Donnell's fucking embarrassing in it. I guess the cool thing is it takes place in Philadelphia. Like a lot of his other movies. I think like. 11 out of 13 of these take place in philadelphia after earth takes place in philadelphia <laughs> i think there's one thing that jory always brings up in the last airbender where there's some kind of like building that they used from from reading pennsylvania that was in the last airbender but yeah um no, I don't think Wide Awake's a bad movie. I definitely don't think it's a good movie. And I just, it doesn't totally fit in with anything else that in my Shyamalan's done. I mean, this clearly felt like, oh, we need you to like write a script for like a family movie. And I think it was probably a studio project that he made to get um, the funding for Sixth Sense would be my guess, just because he's never made a movie like this. If he wants to make more movies like this, I'd like to see it. Like, I honestly would think it'd be interesting to see more, like, coming-of-age challenge of faith movies directed <laughs> by M. Night Shyamalan. I think we'd get better twists than what's currently going on in his thrillers, so... My favorite review for this is, I most certainly was not wide awake. No, no, this movie is, is boring. And I guess, like, the worst part of this movie is, like, some of the comedic, like, gags. Like, there's, like slapstick scenes where they're like playing baseball or basketball and it's like uh, it, it feels like something out of like an airbud sequel and it just totally doesn't fit with this kid who's on a quest to meet god <laughs> like i kind of want to see this movie again but he does meet god at the end and <laughs> beats him up like <laughs> is that the twist <laughs> no the, tw the twist is very similar to that of Miracle in Lane 2. Oh, no. Yeah, Wide Awake. Not one of my favorite Katy Perry songs, but... <laughs> <laughs> Katy Perry wrote that song about this movie. <laughs> but yeah, Wide Awake, number nine. Um, That was my veto, so I guess I gotta go again at number eight. Lucky me. <laughs> Up next on my list, I I think this might be a bit of a hot take. I have The Visit. I think that is a hot take, but I also don't care. That's how I'm feeling. But I'm afraid of what Alden's going to say next, so <laughs> I'm kind of in a pickle right now. <laughs> but I don't really like The Visit. It's in my top five, but I don't really like it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what we're dealing with here. I mean, this is M. Night Shyamalan's filmography. It, um, the twist sucks <laughs> the twist is so bad <laughs> the twist is so predictable <laughs> 
It's like the only time where like you can go into an M Night Shyamalan movie and predict the twist twenty minutes in. <laughs> like most of the time, they're just so out there where you're like, "Wait, what?" Or they're just like, "Oh, that makes sense." Like now knowing the information that I know, but like the visits twist is like. Hey, what if they like weren't their grandparents? And that's like the first thing I thought to myself when they showed up. And then it turns out that was exactly the twist. I was like, oh, okay. It was like the twist in old where the more you think about it, the more sense it just really didn't make. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so you're telling me there wasn't like a phone call or like, uh, I think were they, were they messaging them through like Facebook? I think if I remember correctly. Yeah. I think like. This movie is definitely, like, I think a lot of people are like, oh, this is when Shyamalan started making good movies again. And I guess I could see that from a writing standpoint. This movie's not bad. It's pretty well paced. It's 90 minutes long. It's, it just, it keeps moving. And I think that might be the problem people had with some of his other movies was like, they just felt like these long drawn out movies for a, twi a third act twist. So I think the visit was definitely a step in the right direction. I also think the way it's like formatted and the way it delivers itself, where some scenes are like, well, most of the movie's kind of found footage. A lot of it is like from the camcorder perspective. And I think that adds a cool element. I just think that like the kid characters are not well written enough for me to really like yeah. care if they get killed by these random old people. Like, I know that sounds like bad, but I feel like if they weren't, like, always fighting with each other, if, like, the younger, like, boy wasn't trying to start a rap career, like, there's just, like, elements of these kids where they don't feel like real people, so I don't feel bad that they're getting dropped off by their mom, who's Agnes from, uh, the fucking WandaVision show. I feel like people, um, people called this the comeback movie because it was the first one in a while where... It's not a big, like, CGI fest like After Earth or The Last Airbender. He's really just making this lower-budget movie. If you, like, look at reviews for this movie, a lot of them say it's a comeback movie, and then they still rate it, like, three stars. Yeah, I think I have this as a two-star movie. Two and a half, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like this movie. It's in my top five, but I'm fine. I'm fine with it being here, to be honest. All right, cool. The Visit. Number eight. Josh, back to you on the third round of nominating movies. Is this where we put the happening? No, no, no. I mean, it's up to you. I, I Yeah, to me, I think this is... The ball's in your court. I don't have a veto, so it's up to you. I think I'm just going to play it safe and put the happening here. Yeah, all right. That's fine. Paul Giamatti and Lady in the Water is so entertaining, it's not his worst performance. Mark Wahlberg in The Happening, it's his worst performance, even if how entertaining it is. I'm sure, like... You, like this is a movie that like you probably can't even like mention to like Mark Wahlberg. I'm not entirely sold on the fact that the happening wasn't actually a comedy all along. <laughs> I feel like of all of these movies, it's the one where like Shyamalan might have been pranking us. That was the twist all along. Yeah, like the twist was fuck you guys, this is a joke. Like, just about everyone in this movie gives, like, the worst performance of their career. I think every single scene where people are killing themselves is funny, which is so, like, I don't know how you mess that up. Like, that sounds like it should be horrifying, but it's, like, it's always in, like, broad daylight and, like, completely flat composition on, like, a wide angle. It's, like... the. 
it's shot like a comedy. <laughs> the line delivery is like a comedy. It's like a comedy apocalypse movie. And in that regard, I think it's better than other comedy apocalypse movies like This Is The End. Like, this movie is straight up fucking bonkers. And no one, like, it's so hard to take seriously. And, like, I found this movie really refreshing to rewatch during the pandemic. Because I was like, you know what? Like, we are taking this thing very seriously in real life. Like, oh, there is a massive (laughs) widespread virus. And people are too scared to leave their houses. And I think I turned this movie on. And I just found it comforting. Because... These idiots are dying to tree pheromones or some shit and uh, killing themselves. And I was like, you know what? There might be a lot of bad things going on. People are getting in fights over toilet paper and hand sanitizer. But at least the trees aren't making us kill ourselves. And uh, for that, (laughs) I think the happening may or may not have saved me. And for that, I I was hoping to get it into the top five. I, I think the happening is... The funniest movie, and probably, if we were just going off sheer entertainment value, The Happening is top three for me. Whoa. I don't know about that, but... (laughs) This movie's fucking great. And it's exactly 90 minutes. It doesn't overstay its runtime. It goes from one garbage set piece to another, and then you get to see a bunch of people kill themselves. (laughs) Alden, do you you want a veto? Why would I want to veto an episode of New Girl? The best episode of New Girl. <laughs> I agree, it's very entertaining, but I, I just can't get it any higher. Um, that means we're back to you, Alden, with number six, now that the happening is number seven. Have we placed the village? No. Because it sounds like you'd be pissed if I placed Lady in the Water. Lady in the Water is my number six. Yeah, that's fine. I'll place Lady in the Water at six. What's your take on Lady in the Water? I feel like this is pretty high for someone who doesn't like the movie. I wanted to place it lower. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have much to say. Was this the movie where M. Night pretty much built, like, an apartment complex for this movie? Yeah. Insane. Yeah, he kind of just built, like, a giant, like, apartment complex thing in, like, the middle of, like, the outskirts of Philadelphia for the movie. Did it get, did it give people homes, I guess? <laughs> was What's that building doing now? Hold on. I guess this will be our debate, is this building? <laughs> I mean, I personally like this movie quite a bit. I think it's definitely, like, one of the most, like, pretentious movies M. Night Shyamalan's made, if not the most. Yeah, that's that's how I see it. Yeah, if not the most pretentious movie, because he casts himself as, like, a kind of, like, messiah figure, where, like, he has to, like, he's the one who's writing the story, and Bryce Dallas Howard is the physical manifestation of the story that he's writing. Whoa. And she's, like, the main character. Sorry, I just read a quote from M. Night Shyamalan, and I quote, uh, they asked him about Lady in the Water, And this was in 2017. He said, I love that movie. If my house was burning down and I had to grab a few movies, Lady would be one of them. I'd grab Unbreakable, Lady, and maybe Split and get the hell out. Maybe Split. Wow. I kind of agree with him. I mean, in terms of like what I like about Lady in the Water, I think it might might be the best cast in any of these movies. I mean, Jeffrey Wright's good in this movie. Uh, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's really great in this movie. Paul Giamatti carries this movie for me. Um, he absolutely does. Uh, even M. Night Shyamalan, like, as himself, as an actor, sure, he's literally playing, like, a messiah figure, and it's really cringe, 
Uh, he feels like he's like an overpowered OC in like a Sonic fan fiction. Isn't there like a document? Isn't there like a fake documentary where M Night like uses powers or something? What? I think it's really unique. I can't think of another movie like Lady in the Water. The visuals are great. This might be M Night Shyamalan's best shot movie. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I could see that. It's between this. It's between this and The Sixth Sense. Yeah, I, I think this is a good place for it. So I was right about the documentary. Ooh. It was on the. Is on the Sci-Fi Channel. Shyamalan documentary, a host. What what is it about? It's about M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> a documentary about him. Yeah, <laughs> it was in two thousand four. Oh, so it was just like a guerrilla marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, so they made like. <laughs> they made, what's the name of that fucking movie? Chronicle, but with M. Night Shyamalan, like, as a documentary short to promote the movie The Village. Pretty, yeah. <laughs> That's nuts. I need to see that. It, it looks so, it looks wild. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds great. The fact that it was on the sci-fi channel. <laughs> Is it my turn? Yeah, because Alden just went with uh, Lady in the Water. Do we have anything else we want to say about Lady in the Water? Bryce Dallas Howard's father's daughter looks cool. <laughs> uh paul giamatti she does have that she does have that haircut that's like in style now with like no eyebrows and like the high like bowl cut (laughs) what were you saying about paul giamatti josh Uh, he's in jungle cruise this weekend (laughs) wait he's in jungle cruise dude that cast is wild i have to go see jungle cruise now (laughs) um well we're in the top five now and it's my turn to play some movie both of you have vetoes left, and this is the last spot to use them. I think The Village belongs here, and I don't think that's a hot take. I think with the movies we have left, that's the only one that really makes sense to go here. But if you guys have a scorching hot take and think that any of the other four movies is worse than Village, use your veto now, please. If you were going to say any other movie, I would have vetoed. Yeah, same. <laughs> Should I be a provocateur and say that Signs is better than the vi- or worse than The Village just for the sake of you guys using a veto? Yeah, let me use a veto. All right, cool. We're, we're cutting that part out and uh all right we're at number five now that alden placed lady in the water at number six i think that number five should be signs i'm gonna veto that ah shit um what do you think is worse than signs out of what we have left it's pretty much his four best movies by a lot uh what i think is worse than signs unbreakable i knew i knew that was gonna happen bruh (laughs) what what the fuck (laughs) i was joking oh no 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 i'm setting this up for josh to use his veto and i I will veto and put the village here okay we've got signs versus village versus unbreakable for number five on m night Shyamalan's list Yeah, I mean, it should be The Village. I think Signs and Unbreakable are, uh, when you think of M. Night Shyamalan, those are, other than Sixth Sense, those are the other two movies you think of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, but I know I literally just said that I think Lady in the Water might have one of the most underrated Shyamalan casts. The Village might actually have the best M. Night Shyamalan cast. You're looking at Bryce Dallas Howard, Joaquin Phoenix, Adrian Brody, William Hurt, and Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. And Jesse Eisenberg. Even Judy Greer's there. I mean, dude, this this cast is kind of nuts. The premise to The Village is really, really good. And I think it's one of the few movies that Shyamalan's made where, like, the subtext is actually probably stronger than the twist. Uh, the twist is not great. I think it's what ruins this movie for a lot of people, especially since so much of the first and second act are, like, hints and like things building up to that reveal uh but what i really like about the village is like a sim it's it's 
it's like essentially it's about the same thing that any movie about like a Puritan society is about. It's about these people that don't want to break away from tradition. It's about um, like the power struggle between um, older generations and younger generations. In a lot of ways, it's very similar to like uh, like Midsummer or something like that. In a uh, so much of this movie is just like people going around in the woods, and it feels like. I don't know. It feels like it, it like bloats its own time out just to get to a twist. Like, I think it's the first time where M night Shyamalan was just a little too up his own ass to like make a good movie, despite such an amazing cast with that cast and everything. It's like, uh, you kind of wish the movie could have been a little better. I don't know. I feel like comparing these to unbreakable and signs, like it's just not even a contest. All right, the village, number five. All right, that means we've all used our vetoes <laughs> to get to this point. Uh, we are now in the top four, and it's a bit of a free-for-all. Uh, the four movies that we have left in no particular order, in fact, no, I'll just go by order of release, are The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Signs, and Split. What do you all think the fourth best M. Night Shyamalan movie is? Signs, I guess? Yeah, I'm holding my tongue here. I'm between Signs and Split. Yeah, me too. Signs it is. Alden, what's your number one? My number one is The Sixth Sense. Have you seen The Sixth Sense? Yeah, but it's been a while. I thought your number one was going to be Split. I'm not that brave. (laughs) Here at number four, I think it kind of has to be Signs. Um, On the premise of, like, Split is actually, like the M. Night Shyamalan revival, and, like, there's still potential, I think, for him to make a good movie, just based on how well he directed James McAvoy in this movie. I think that, as a whole, Signs is probably a stronger, like, narrative. I also, like, I really like the setting. I like the fact that it's about this, like, the aliens invading Earth, but you only get, like, this set of, like, four or five characters at this, like, farm. There's a lot of, like, things I appreciate about this movie, uh, I, I think when they show, like, the aliens on TV, that's, like, a great, great scene removed from the rest of the movie. Um, I think the child performances are pretty good. Um, I, some of the dialogue between, like, Joaquin Phoenix and Mel Gibson could be better, for sure. But Mel Gibson's character going through, like, that struggle of faith that the little kid in Wide Awake is also going through is pretty funny. Um, And I think it's actually a good theme. I mean, it's about a preacher who loses his wife and is forced raising his kids alone with his failed baseball athlete brother. Like, (laughs) this is, like, an awkward, like, Midwest dynamic that I could actually see being a... uh, a struggle for like these characters and in this movie and i think Shyamalan writes those characters well and it's acted well but at the same time it feels almost a little out of place for a movie about aliens invading earth the twist is ass yeah is it even a twist i guess not but it is like i don't know in the same way of it like being like the world's gonna end and then immediately it being shut down because they find out that like water is the alien's weakness it's it's just as bad as Mars Attacks, which plays it as a joke, where they discover that yodeling is the fucking alien's weakness, and then all the alien's heads yeah. blow up. <laughs> it's literally, it's the same ending. And it's wild to me that, like, a group of aliens that are far superior in intelligent life would go and invade a planet that is 70% of what they're allergic to. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. There's tons of planets within our, like, solar system that don't have water, so go invade there. Like, also, what is the alien's objective? Like, they're just, like, evil monsters? I don't know. 
I feel like there's way better, more thought-provoking movies about alien invasions. Uh, even War of the Worlds, there's more of a motivation. This is just like, I don't know, a horror movie that has a bunch of like moments of people being isolated on a farm and having good conversation. Like the cast is great. M. Night Shyamalan's weird as the guy who kills Mel Gibson's wife. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was definitely an interesting part of the script where he, he like tries to confront the guy who kills his wife and it's M. Night Shyamalan. It's so jarring. He's like, I just couldn't help myself. I swerved off the road. I didn't mean to kill her. <laughs> I would lose faith in religion too if M. Night Shyamalan accidentally killed my wife. I... <laughs> A lot of people love this movie. Like, for some people, this is one of their favorite sci-fi movies of all time. And, like, I could see the appeal, but there are some great scenes. But, like, overall, this movie's just, I don't know, it's just not it for me. I feel like, I feel like <laughs> there's just so many other great movies that have this premise. Like, even, like, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which was, like, kind of like, we wouldn't have signs or War of, the War of the Worlds without Close Encounters. Even that movie is so much better in how they present the aliens in that. We definitely have War of the Worlds, but yeah, you're right about signs. Well, I don't know if Spielberg would have made War of the Worlds if it wasn't for Close Encounters. Oh, no, no, no. He probably wouldn't have, but they definitely would have kept making movies off of that property and of that story. But, um, yeah, Close Encounters theming of its music and that make a lot more sense than the water and... It's such a mixed bag. I think it's funny that the aliens in Signs have the same weakness as Bruce Willis in Unbreakable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of weird movies about water in M. Night Shyamalan's filmography. I mean, it's it's Bruce Willis's weakness. It's the aliens' weakness in Signs. There's a lady in the water in Lady in the Water. They're all castaways and old, and they're by the water. And there's water benders in Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> okay, hear me out. Uh-oh. Is M. Night Shyamalan secretly directing Avatar 2 Way of the Water? The Way of the Water sounds like an M. Night Shyamalan title. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so interesting if... Shyamalan directed two franchise with Avatar in the title. That'd be bold. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not two, but maybe he's directing three or four. He's Avatar five. <laughs> he's directing the finale. Water strikes back. The aliens from Signs invade Pandora. Bruh, they'd get their shit rocked. <laughs> what if like Will Smith and Jaden Smith just show up and start killing all the Pandorians, <laughs> the Navi? <laughs> God, we're giving him too many good ideas. Uh, so Signs goes here. With one of the lesser known Culkins. Rory Culkin. What else is he in? I don't know. I don't think I've seen anything else with him in it. Uh, Scream 4. All right. Wow. A movie called Columbus. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. Columbus, Indiana, I feel lied to. Yeah, I wish it was Columbus, Ohio. It would have been a lot funnier. Actually, do I? Movie set in Columbus. You got Ready Player One. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I can't think of another. Oh, Richie Rich. Richie Rich is set in Columbus? No, 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 no. But Rory Culkin is in it somewhere. It's probably his, it's probably his brother's stunt double. Hello? <laughs> Well, there's a list of movies that had filming locations of Columbus, Ohio. So I guess in one way I could consider all of these movies that take place there. Uh, Air Force One. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> 
I guess they're leaving John Glenn International Airport at the beginning of the movie, which is really fucking funny. Let's see. Bad Grandpa. I guess that jackass movie takes place in, uh, <laughs> in Columbus. What a random fucking place. Super Size Me 2 Holy Chicken is a documentary that takes place. And... Super Size Me, the first one was in New York, right? Mm, it was all over the place. I think he was like low-key traveling the country, too. I can't remember it too well. I, I think Morgan Spurlock's canceled, so it's fine. Anyway, we're moving into the top three movies of uh, M. Night Shyamalan's filmography. What do you guys think belongs at number three? I'm waiting for Alden to say it. Why do I have to say it? I'm going to say Unbreakable. I respect your take. I think it's split personally, but I'd be willing to fight that fight. Because, uh, unfortunately, these movies are now connected. <laughs> which is kind of one of my biggest problems with Split, seeing as how Glass went. Split, on its own, is a pretty good thriller. And I think I could see why people might have a problem with the way they depict multiple personality disorder in terms of like from a psychiatrist standpoint or like a psychology standpoint. That's not really like a politically correct way of showing mental illness. But for the sake of a horror movie, it's really fucking cool. I, I absolutely love James McAvoy in this movie. I think it's probably the best performance out of any of these movies. Yeah, it's it's quite incredible. Uh, where I don't think Split really succeeds is in the presentation. Besides James McAvoy, this movie is shot and edited like a made-for-TV movie. Like, it's not really that impressive. And I don't know why this guy is living under a zoo. I feel like there's a lot more things we could have, like, explored with this The with Philadelphia this movie. Zoo. Yeah, so I, for the first time, watched this entire trilogy back-to-back because of Josh. He made me watch Unbreakable and Split before the tickets we got to see Glass. That's how you're supposed to watch movies, yes. Uh, Okay, I didn't necessarily want to see Glass, but you wanted to, so you just bought or rented two movies, (laughs) make me watch them before we go out and see it, and Split is by far my favorite. Unbreakable, I can't say it's bad. Like, it's a really good movie. I just get bored in it. I feel like the pacing and most of it is really drawn out. And I don't know if it was like your TV, which I doubt it was, but scenes were just too dark. I couldn't see like half of it. Mm. The color grading's definitely very much late 90s, but I Yeah, it it's annoying. I think I think the editing and the color correction or color grading of Unbreakable is what makes it kind of stand out. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the best edited Shyamalan movie. Yeah, I feel like it's supposed to be dark though. Like this is like Oh, I can understand it being dark, but when I can't see like half the screen because it's just like too dark, I'm annoyed. I could see that for sure. I think Unbreakable's awesome. Uh comparing it to the other two, um I mean Split works fine as a movie on its own, like uh aside from this trilogy that it's now a part of. It um if it never had the unbreakable ending, this it, it would have been just as good. Um, uh, I really like both of these movies, but I feel like Split is the worst one out of these three by a very big margin. I feel like I really appreciate Split for introducing us, uh, like mainstream audiences, I'd say, to Anya Taylor Joy, because I think she's going on to prove herself as being one of like the most competent young actresses right now. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's not a great script, like something like Emma or, or, um, 
thoroughbreds or something like that. She's putting in fantastic performances in just about everything she does. I'm so excited for her to be directed by Edgar Wright in Last Night in Soho. Thought she was amazing in Queen's Gambit and The Witch. Uh, Unfortunately, she's in The New Mutants (laughs) in Glass. Works very well opposite James McAvoy in this movie. And I don't think there's too many, like... I, I don't know how old she was when that movie was made, but young actresses that could go up against someone giving an all-time career performance like McAvoy in this movie. <laughs> like, that, that's pretty difficult for, like, your first mainstream, wide-released movie, uh, acting up against someone who's that competent and that, that great, playing, whatever, 23 unique characters. I don't know if he really plays that many in this movie. I think it's more like six but it's still impressive. His performance is why I put it higher than Unbreakable because the acting is not my problem with Unbreakable. Everything about it is fine. I I like the plot, I like the acting, but trying to like actually watch it, I get frustrated with it. Whereas Split, like any problem I have with it immediately just goes away when James McAvoy shows up as a different character. I don't love the scenes where james mcavoy's psychiatrist or whatever is like going over the notes of like why he's so crazy or dangerous or whatever like wow it's being paralleled to like the girls being held hostage in his basement like they yeah i think it was trying to go for something like um uh silence of the lambs where you have like multiple angles of this same story and like what's really like held together is like the main antagonist even though Hannibal Lecter is kind of more of a supporting character in that movie where they kind of wanted to mix Buffalo Bill and Hannibal Lecter into the same role in Split. And I think that's probably where Shyamalan got the idea to have like split personality disorder for the main character was like, how do we have someone who is able to pass as like a regular crazy person who's brilliant and smart, but then also someone who's like a physical monster and can like, fuck people up and kidnap a bunch of cheerleaders or whatever. I just don't think it works very well. I think in terms of hopping from the psychiatrist's office back to what's going on and it over and over again, it just feels like they're trying to, like, hype up this monster that might come, like, the, the final form of, of his character, where we would be able to see that better if his character just got more screen time. Like, I don't know why you would make a character that has the ability to transform into 23 personalities if you're only showing seven or eight. Like, I I get that's probably extremely hard to do and his mannerisms change with each of those seven performances, but show us what you're advertising. Don't tell us what there could be. Like, I I don't know. I think the script isn't that great. I just think McAvoy brings a lot to it. Whereas I think Unbreakable and Sixth Sense are like lightning in a bottle screenplays. I think they're both fantastically written. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Also, visual style split, like I said, looks for a, looks like a made-for-TV movie in certain certain scenes. Like it's ba- basic coverage, shot reverse shot. Not saying that the DP wasn't doing a competent job. I think it was probably shot way cheaper when with way less of a like a like less time than movies like Unbreakable in the Sixth Sense. But it's it's not on that tier for me in terms of like cinema like in terms of the the lighting and the movement the camera like kind of being a character within that world it just feels like this is how any film student would shoot this like it's point the camera here shot reverse shot the entire psychiatrist scene there's a couple of interesting shots when um james mcavoy's like switching persona 
like in one take. But b- besides those steady cam shots, there's really not much in this visually to break it up. I feel like this is going to be a debate, though. The top two M. Night Shyamalan movies, Sixth Sense versus Unbreakable. We just have to place them in the right order. I'm getting flashbacks to the James Cameron list, where it's like Titanic versus T2. I feel like either one of these could win, and it really depends on how I'm feeling that day. I think for a lot of people, there's a clear winner here, but I think Unbreakable is really good and really underrated. Um, what year did Unbreakable come out? Unbreakable came out in 2000. Was this the first bald Bruce Willis movie? Um, well, he has hair at the beginning of the movie, so... Does he? Right, doesn't he? When he's on the... When he survives the plane crash? The train crash, yeah. I don't think he has hair. No, he doesn't survive a train, does he? He survives a... Yeah, it's a... No, it's a train. I, I do think this might be the last great Bruce Willis performance. I'm trying to think of, like, movies he did after Unbreakable. Like... In the 2000s and 2010s, that's anywhere near as good as this. Yeah, he doesn't have hair through the whole movie. <laughs> I think it was first bald Bruce Willis. I watched this movie like a year ago. Why am I having like so many false memories? Is this the, is this the fucking uh, what's it called? The wow, I'm even forgetting the name of the the phenomenon. The Mandela effect. Yes, the Mandela effect. I was going to say the Morgan Freeman effect. <laughs> <laughs> the Morgan Freeman effect. <laughs> so I think Sixth Sense is really good. It's a classic. The twist, spoiler alert, that Bruce Willis's character is the ghost um, is such a well-known twist just in pop culture. It, it hurts a rewatch for me because my first viewing has become the rewatch essentially because i already know of the twist because it's so well known yeah i feel like you should have watched this movie before today (laughs) (laughs) i feel like even years ago i i feel like i've known this twist all my life like i can't i don't i would have to be like eight years old for me to watch this movie without knowing the twist (laughs) because it's it's referenced so much like in media and like i could see why in 1999 this movie would be great uh, to see in the theater and then watch again because then you start to see the stuff. But I feel like it's so obvious after the second viewing. It After that, I don't know what more you could get out of the movie with the like different themes it has when it comes to um, comic books and kind of a real take on superheroes and with the release of The Dark Knight years later and just how superheroes have become such a main thing in pop culture. Unbreakable is a movie to is a nice movie to revisit sometimes. Yeah, I could see that. I think um in in the defense of the sixth sense, uh we were talking earlier this year when we were doing Nolan films, uh The Prestige, which ended up winning that episode, I said is one of the best movie twists of all time because unlike The Sixth Sense, you get multiple rewatches out of it where you're like you're able to find like little little tricks in the in the background little like easter eggs little like nods toward the twist um i do agree that the sixth sense is way more in your face with like the the stuff once you know the twist and once you know the story yeah but for me that might have been part of the like entertainment value of like i didn't have this movie spoiled for me i guess i was living under a rock maybe it's because i wasn't allowed to watch spongebob as a kid (laughs) but when i saw sixth sense for the first time in 2010 or 2011 Dude, that twist, like, threw me for a loop. I think I rewatched the movie, like, the next week and was like, yeah, I need to, like, watch that with the twist in mind. And I I think it's an incredibly well-made movie. 
premise is simple enough. It's like this little boy can see dead people and this like I guess Bruce Willis's character is like a psychiatrist or whatever. Yeah. And he's trying or a child psychologist, I guess you would say, is trying to like um, you know, help him out with that problem. And I really like how this like the movie kind of slowly turns into like a Ghostbusters kind of thing where there's like all these like other settings where they take this kid to like help out ghosts that are dead. Like that shit's really cool. Like it's really entertaining. And I think like a lot of people like forget about that like section of the movie. Yeah. Like the one kid, like the little girl who's sick and she's like under the bed because her mom keeps drugging her. Like that shit's like really like dramatic and that that kind of stuck with me in the same way like i think i think the plot itself is really solid without the twist and then the twist just kind of makes that next watch like so much more interesting because there's so many like hints with like all like red being the symbol of death the doorknobs red there's like a random balloon in that one house like you mentioned that family the mother is the only one wearing red at the funeral oh bro that's sus why is she wearing red at a funeral (laughs) yeah when i first saw that i was like wow that's uh that's cool. That was a cool visual. I really like uh, Tony Collette in this movie as uh, Haley Joe Osment's uh, mom. I mean, she's awesome in everything. Yeah. <laughs> the scene where she's like having a meltdown in the car because like he's like saying he's talked to grandma and shit. Like, she gives a very convincing like. That scene could have you crying in the club. Because kids say the darndest things, but man, when you're when your eight-year-old's like talking to dead people i'd be freaking the fuck out too (laughs) can we talk about donnie Wahlberg for a second too because uh this man gives his career best performance in the first seven minutes of this movie (laughs) and he just doesn't have a career after that what do you mean dude he's the new frank stallone he's in like five saw movies (laughs) he had to bring back uh his uh boy band in his like 40s i mean he was ahead of the curve didn't the Jonas Brothers and Big Time Rush do it after? Yeah, I think he brought it back at the height of One Direction when boy bands were coming back. In a lot of ways, you could say that Donnie Wahlberg is a pioneer of the boy band. Yeah, like, what's the story behind that? So he prepared for that movie way too much, knowing he, he what do you think, he'd be like a supporting character? I guess he just assumed his character was going to have more of a role in, like, the final form of the movie. I think he lost, like, 60 pounds or something, like... Whoa. Holy shit. <laughs> was, like, full on method acting for this like opening scene role in the sixth sense and i don't i think there was like this theory or something i I don't know where i read this but i think he mixed up his character's name and Haley joel osmond's character's name in the script and so he thought he was like the main character of the movie (laughs) and so like he just prepped way too hard his agent said it was going to be like one of those like career changing movies like at the same time, his, like, his older brother, Mark, is making, like, Boogie Nights, which I think might be Mark Wahlberg's best movie to date. And, like, I could see Donnie just being like, oh, my agent says I'm, like, I'm working with this Shyamalan guy. Like, this is going to be a huge movie. I-, I have to just commit. And he does. He's great. I buy him being a deranged person who shoots their psychologist i buy him entirely in the first six minutes of this movie the scene kind of ended and i like thought to myself because i saw his name in the opening credits and i was like wait was that donnie Wahlberg?" <laughs> it doesn't look like him <laughs> no it doesn't 
<laughs> I think that would be a fun list of like not. I, I guess you can't really call an actor bad because he's not a bad actor, but he'd be a good Josh Gad format. <laughs> I don't think he would be. We'd have to talk about five Saw movies. <laughs> then we'll just rank the Saw movies in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we're talking Sixth Sense against Unbreakable here. I guess we're like I'm kind of leaning towards why I like Unbreakable more is kind of what you were saying, Josh. Where there's like there's like interesting dynamics knowing that this is a superhero movie and it's like before that trend really took off i mean it came out the same year we got the first x-men movie it came out two years before a spider-man movie like Shyamalan's actually a comic book nerd and like it kind of reads very well in this movie where he's like leaning into tropes of like protagonists and antagonists to tell this story there's a lot of scenes in this movie that i just think are incredibly slept on like where his son gets pissed that his dad's like a superhero so he tries to shoot him just to see if he's actually invincible i think that might be one of the all-around best scenes in any of these movies like it's so well acted it's it's so interesting and you have a child actor bruce willis a gun and a wife like it it feels like a clue scene it's so interesting because it's kind of a parallel to the scene in superman 2 when lois is shooting clark but it's they're both directed and shot totally different like in unbreakable it's very like serious and then in, and then in richard donner's superman it's very uh or i guess that was it the donner cut i don't even remember but the uh it was um it was kind of played off as a joke i also um i can't remember the score to the sixth sense at all but the unbreakable s score that soundtrack is so good oh it's iconic it, it's really unique it's kind of weird and like urban like hip-hop kind of feel to it but it feels like it it feels like the way Philadelphia like is like in terms of like it's got this like dusty production to it. It's like kind of hip hop, kind of techno. It feels like a rainy day in Philadelphia. And I, I think like that's that's a really cool element that isn't really prevalent in too many other Shyamalan movies. I can't really think of another movie on here that's whose score I like as much. The only other one that like I recognize is like the Signs one, just because it has a bunch of stingers in it. It's like a predecessor to the Inception soundtrack. Do you think M. Night Shyamalan was supposed to direct a superhero movie and that's why he brought back Unbreakable? Maybe. I don't know. I really don't. I think there was definitely a push for people to, like, people love Unbreakable. I think it's, like, the the movie of his, like, early career that, like, a lot of people on, like, message boards and then later on YouTube and stuff like that were saying is, like, the best Shyamalan movie. So I think there was kind of this, like, oh, well, that w could work very well as, like, a setup to more movies like it. And I think he just kind of took advantage of, like, oh people want a sequel to this so i'm gonna do that but i think the way he went about doing it was genius i don't know if do you think split was intended to be a sequel or do you think it was like oh i'm just making a thriller right now and i could staple an unbreakable sequel bait at the end that's how, that's what i think happened <laughs> i i think so too i think he saw the success of like connected universes especially when was split come out it was like 2016 2015 oh 16 yeah so like that's the year of like the dceu was starting to become a thing marvel was at its peak it it made a lot of sense for him to try it at that moment but i think he had like an unbreakable script like already and split was kind of a way to do that man like going 
punch for punch, like Unbreakable versus Sixth Sense are definitely in their own tier on this on this like yeah. But I think those are definitely like the two best movies. I criticize M Night Shyamalan of how he directs actors, but these are like two of Bruce Willis's best acted movies. They're really really high up there for sure, <laughs> which really confuses me sometimes when I look at how M Night directs other actors. I think Haley Joel Osment steals the Sixth Sense almost in the same way that um james mcavoy steals split because you don't normally get a child performance that is that good he's the main character of the movie he has like almost all of the lines so it's like that's a very interesting thing that is unique to that movie and i think it's probably the second best performance overall in any of m night's movies but then at three and four would probably be the two bruce willis performances in these two movies like i think that I think that I buy his character in Unbreakable more than his character in The Sixth Sense, but it's not to any fault of The Sixth Sense. I just think, like, that character was almost written for someone like Bruce Willis, where it's like, yeah, he's kind of an action hero, but he's not built like Arnold Schwarzenegger or, like, Stallone or something. Like, yeah. he's just, like, a kind of normal-looking dude who then gets these superpowers of not being able to die. I like the, like, the hints that he's invincible, too, where he's, like, yeah. he works at that stadium... He's, like, never taken a sick day in 20 years. Like, there's a lot of really interesting things. He survives a train crash and, like, is the only survivor. And he's, like, mentally in denial about it. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't think he's, like, invincible. He's just like, I know, I'm a normal guy. I'm totally normal. And I like that his powers aren't limited to just him being able to be invincible. I like that he has, like, that spidey sense type thing whenever he makes physical contact with someone. Yeah. That's, like, a cool element. There's that scene where he, like, beats up that one, like, serial killer like home invader guy that's pretty cool and then he falls in the pool and nearly dies like <laughs> it's it's interesting because I it genuinely feels like a like if a superhero existed in real life more so than any other superhero movie still except like I don't know like even kick-ass is a little bit more over the top than this super is more over the top like if there was a guy who just happened to be invincible and could tell who people were by physically touching them unbreakable would be like how that would play out i think the thing i don't think is extremely strong about unbreakable personally is uh, like samuel L. jackson's kind of hit or miss by scene for me mm -hmm. i really like him by the end of the movie <laughs> that, that scene where he falls down the steps <laughs> <laughs> his origin is hilarious it, like tragic but hilarious i just don't buy him at like the first act of this movie and i get he's trying to trick bruce willis into like being his like like friend and like oh we could like work together type of thing um but like i saw the writing on the wall the first time i saw this movie when i was like a kid that he was going to be the villain like it's it only makes sense did uh did spongebob get that character that also like had all the broken bones from this movie i i don't know i really like sam jackson in unbreakable but i i I agree. I do by the end of the movie. Yeah. I just don't think his character really makes a lot of sense until the twist. The twist is, yeah, pretty obvious. Um, the only thing that wasn't obvious was I didn't think he caused, like, the train accident. But I guess, I guess so I guess that was part of the twist, I guess, that was, like, surprised me. But him being, like, an antagonist or against him made sense. Um, yeah. Uh, Alden, try to win us over with the sixth sense. Um, no. I don't really care which one goes. 
I just care that these three are in the top three. Okay. My top two is, is different, but those are the only ones I cared about, and they at least made the top three. But I feel like if there was a time you could win us over, it's now. I mean, it is the sixth sense. I see dead people, man. I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, I do think one thing that's very interesting about the sixth sense is, and I think where a lot of the early hype for Shyamalan was coming from, I mean, yeah, wh- whatever magazine this was, Newsweek said he was the next Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> the sixth sense got Oscar buzz. Yeah, it did. Besides, like, Silence of the Lambs, there's not too many horror movies or thrillers or whatever you want to call this this specific movie that get academy award buzz i mean i think it got a screenplay nomination it definitely got uh Haley joel osmond i think won for supporting actor right or lead actor i know he definitely got nominated and like i think he was the youngest person nominated at the time too which is just crazy like a lot of things that have never happened before happened for this movie and i think it got like immediate positive reception in comparison to Unbreakable, which I think got one more and more people over over time as like that genre of superhero movies became more saturated, people like go back to that one as like this one was like a unique take on it. So it's kind of this weird dynamic of like not that Unbreakable is underrated, especially not now that we have two sequels to it, but at one point it was probably like the hidden movie. Even this Newsweek article says from, <laughs> from six cents to signs it doesn't even mention unbreakable which i personally think might be a better movie than both of those so it, it's definitely like it it's they're hard to compare directly but i think the sixth sense might be the more like universally accepted better movie and i think because of that is due to how it was a game changer in the same way that like like get out got incredible academy award buzz a best director nomination and a a best script win for a first time director and like like the hype for jordan peele is the same kind of hype that i think people were feeling for m night Shyamalan just because he made a thriller or made a horror movie that was good enough to transcend to critical and mainstream audiences and that's not something that happens very often i guess if i am to talk about the sixth sense Uh, In relation to how I see Unbreakable, the atmosphere built in the movie is a whole lot better. Especially since, I guess, it's a ghost story. You're... I don't know. I don't like Unbreakable. Uh, Where they're walking through the halls of the school, and you just see the person hanging in the background, and then... Yeah. Haley Joel Osment like stops and Bruce Willis turns around to see what he's looking at. That's that scared the shit out of me as a kid. Like that stuck with me, you know. And like I, you totally buy that this little kid is like constantly in fear of the dead people around him, and him coming to terms with that being like a gift instead of a curse is like really unique. Like he's like, oh, I'm able to like go and help these people. <laughs> in fact, it almost feels like a superhero movie too, where it's like this kid has the ability to communicate with the dead and is now just going to make that his full-time job. <laughs> like what if he just showed up in glass? Wait, so he just rolled up on the train into that funeral alone? I just realized. How, how did he get here? <laughs> like, <laughs> why is this 10-year-old traveling the city by himself and with the ghost of Bruce Willis? Especially in Philadelphia. Bad things happen in Philadelphia. They really do. I witnessed three fights the last time I was there for less than 24 hours. 
You saw the and an old lady dying on the sidewalk. All right, should we put it to a vote? Sure. I guess so. Or is there more debate to be had? I feel like I'm fighting with myself here, guys. Uh, you are. That's uh, that's what season two's all about. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of fighting with my family, it's fighting with myself. <laughs> I mean, you've said, like, the best points for both of these. <laughs> I know. <laughs> God damn it, where's Jory? <laughs> Jory slept through season two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just fell asleep through half of it. He'll be back in January. <laughs> Are we gonna let Jory decide? Nope, he's on his phone. Alright, so, number two, Unbreakable. And number one, The Sixth Sense. I feel good about this. I feel like if I made this three, four years ago, Unbreakable would have been my favorite, but it's so tainted by the fact that Shyamalan decided to make a sequel to it and then, like, connect an unrelated movie to it. Like, I like that in theory, and it fits with where, the where like, Unbreakable goes, but damn, it doesn't really ruin those. It ruins a great movie. I wonder where M. Night Shyamalan's career goes now. Honestly, he, I mean, Old is still making money. It I was about to say. Destroyed Snake Eyes at the box office. It's probably going to be like the third highest grossing movie of July. I mean, it's nuts, but his movies make money. I was about to say, does he keep just making like mediocre Shyamalan tier horror now for the rest of his career? I mean, people will be satisfied with that. I guess if he's enjoying it. I mean, yeah, he's taken like breaks to just produce before. Um, I think there was like a bit of a hiatus between like The Happening and Airbender or something like that where he was just producing movies. Yeah, I literally thought that Elevator movie was directed by him. <laughs> Devil or whatever it's called. If that was on here, that would be right underneath The Happening for me. That movie's also a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. <laughs> the twist in that one. <laughs> Isn't it Devil but spelled like level because it's an elevator? And there's something about like a peanut butter and jelly thing where if like you have to, he like has to flip it on a certain side <laughs> okay <laughs> it's so wild like the guy flips a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and if it lands on one side that means like a ghost is there or something um you guys want to read your lists i'll go first um my m night Shyamalan filmography ranked uh number 13 the last airbender 12 after earth 11 old 10 glass 9 wide awake 8 the Visit. Seven. Lady in the Water. Six. The Village. Five. The Happening. Four. Signs. Three. Split. Two. The Sixth Sense. And number one, Unbreakable. Uh, I didn't count Wide Awake, so number 12, The Last Airbender. <laughs> number 11, Old. Number 10, Glass. Number nine, After Earth. Number eight, The Happening. Number seven, The Village. Number six, Lady in the Water. Number five, Signs. Number four, The Visit. Number three, Split. Number two, The Sixth Sense. And number one, Unbreakable. 13, The Last Airbender. 12, After Earth. 11, The Happening. 10, Wide Awake. 9, Old. 8, Lady in the Water. 7, Glass. 6, The Village. 5, The Visit. 4, Unbreakable. 3, Signs. Two split one the six cents. Damn, you must not you must not really like the visit if it's under Unbreakable. Most of like his movies I've seen in passing. I haven't sat down to watch them. Yeah, I feel that his movies get on TV a lot, especially Signs. Yeah, I think I saw Signs on cable. I think Signs is the boomer food Shyamalan movie. A lot of my like parent like parents and their friends love that movie. Yeah, there are like people like. 
there are like people like my parents' age, maybe like a little bit younger, who love M. Night Shyamalan. Like, the sixth sense just won him over, and now they see, like, his movies. Yeah, I mean, he's, like, one of those Gen X film directors, like, your Tarantino and and uh, Kevin Smith that, like, kind of changed independent movies or, you know, smaller budget movies in the 90s, and then, like, just won over Gen Xers for eternity. The sixth sense came out in the perfect year, too, because 1999 was really the peak of film for a lot of people, too, who, like, grew up in that era. Yeah, I mean, every fantastic director made a movie that year. I mean, almost still to this day. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Every, like, long-term, well-appreciated director had a movie made in 1999. What movie would you uh, want Shyamalan to make next, Nate? Well, I would say I wouldn't mind seeing, like, a follow-up to The Sixth Sense or something, but seeing as where the Unbreakable follow-ups went, like, I don't think that's something I'd ever want to see, so please don't do that. Um, but for, like, the sake of M. Night Shyamalan's filmography, I just want him to continue making movies that he has fun making. I think, like, even movies like Lady in the Water that are critically panned, like, if he says that that's the movie he's grabbing in a fire, like, no questions asked, he probably had a great time making it. And yeah. for that, I would just want to see him continue making those movies, because I feel like if, as long as he's having a good time making them people like there's going to be a part of the audience that resonates with them i think the thing that scares me the most about Shyamalan is that his movies do make money so like the studio trusts him to sometimes handle properties that he really shouldn't be handling like that m night like the m night Shyamalan last airbender thing was such a misstep yeah after earth such a misstep he should really stick to his guns of making these like you know medium budget thrillers and just ride those out and and continue enjoying making the movies like I haven't seen too much about the the making of old or anything yet, just because the DVD's not out and I did not get to go to the world premiere. It sounds like that's something he probably really enjoyed making. You gotta go on like a, gotta go film remotely on like an island. Gotta really like work with the cast and spend time with them and made a movie that he like he hasn't made a movie on that kind of location before. So it. it as long as he continues pushing himself, I think he's got the potential to make great movies still. I'd be down for another paranormal type movie from him because I feel like the paranormal activity movies, I don't think, like, they have their place in, like, film history, I guess. Like, they, uh, that was a weird era in horror. And, but it also kind of, like, I feel like some people are now, like, afraid to make movies like that because of the because it just gets like called back to paranormal activity or it's like a or it's just like a mediocre horror movie but i would like a really serious movie again on just that kind of topic where it's not like an in-your-face jump scare kind of paranormal horror but more of like the sixth sense where it's a little more like i don't know a little little more like where it's a more like serious movie and like a really good script so i'd like to see m night tackle that one more time I mean, we say that, and then there's, like, uh, $400 million Exorcist trilogy being produced right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, like, <laughs> I, I just don't know. Like, the like paranormal movies are still the, like, horror movies that make the most money right now. We're seeing a little bit of a slasher revival thanks to Halloween 2018. Yeah. And, uh, like, Freaky and things like that. But it's still most of the horror movies that are coming out are Conjuring-esque uh, paranormal movies and we've been stuck in this this like oh paranormal movies are the only ones only horror movies that'll make mass amounts of money uh for over a decade now really since paranormal activity 2 i would say i think the first one 
it came out at just the right time where there was a blend of remakes and a blend of uh, like sci-fi horror and there was like a lot of things in like the the right before the 2010s but since the start of the 2010s we've only had like paranormal horror um i don't think Shyamalan doing another paranormal horror movie could be a bad thing i just kind of would like to see him continue doing things he hasn't done before because i think oh no matter what they're going to get directly compared to yeah that's true the things he's done and uh yeah i mean as long as he's having fun making them they're probably going to be somewhat watchable i don't doubt that he had a great time making the happening i wouldn't mind seeing a follow-up to the happening (laughs) like (laughs) get zoe deschanel and mark Wahlberg back i know their budgets are probably gonna have to be a lot higher now but that would be that would be nuts happening to the re-happening god damn it It's happening again. <laughs> that would be epic. What about you, Alden? What do you want to see in the future of... I just spent, like, that entire time you were talking trying to figure that out. I'm not sure... You want him to direct Doctor Strange 3. Interesting. Loki Season 2. Ew. No, Doctor Strange 3 I would not be upset at. Do you think he might have been on a short list for the first Doctor Strange movie, and that's why he decided to go and reboot... Unbreakable? That's what I'm thinking. He was on the short list for some Marvel movie. That's my theory. Or DC something. What DC was coming out, like, I guess, that time? Like, maybe Suicide Squad? I couldn't see that. They announced a bunch of movies. Like, he could have been on the short list for a fucking Cyborg movie, for all we know. Oh, yeah. Actually, Cyborg's one of those characters I don't think he'd have a bad time directing. Yeah. Yeah. It'd probably be better than... never, Never mind, I guess I can't shit on the Snyder Cut. I forgot people like that. <laughs> I mean, Cyborg is the best part of that cut, though. Is he? I don't know. I feel like they gave the character justice in the cut. No pun intended. He's better in the cut, but I can't say he's the best part of it. I think the best part of that movie is the flashback. <laughs> the ten minute long fight scene with the, the the war of the heroes or whatever. That part is pretty great. In the black and white version, remember when we watched that? Oh yeah, we watched just that scene in black and white. Just that scene and then turned it off. Why does Zack Snyder get to put a black and white cut on HBO Max, but Mad Max can't have their black and chrome version put on there? I I do really like that cut of Mad Max, though. It might have been a Blu-ray exclusive thing, though. Maybe it's a director's choice. Maybe. And it's and it's not an HBO Max original. So here it is, the 13 M. Night Shyamalan movies ranked by our panel. Number 13, Avatar The Last Airbender. 12, After Earth. 11, Old. 10, Glass. 9, Wide Awake. 8, The Visit. 7, The Happening. 6, Lady in the Water. 5. The Village. 4. Signs. 3. Split. 2. Unbreakable. And number 1. The Sixth Sense. Honestly, this is a pretty solid list. I got like the bottom 7 correct somehow. But he's had some good ones too. Some really, really good movies. I honestly would not mind watching any of the movies in the top 5 like any day. If, if we actually went with my list and swapped The Happening and The Village, then I'd be willing to watch his top five any given day. Any given Sunday. <laughs> well, this has been Duel of the Takes, M. Night Shyamalan, forever. <laughs> Again. <laughs>